This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 551 with Stephanie Weikert. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 551. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Stephanie Weikert is a certified yoga therapist who teaches smart, capable men and women to manage stress with some of the most fundamental yet little known principles of yoga. She's been teaching therapeutic yoga for stress in studios, hospitals, businesses, and with her one-on-one students since 2005. And now she's on a mission to make meaningful personal growth doable and practical with her signature make peace with stress method. So more people can get unstuck from patterns of stress and be more calm, present, and confident all with becoming a diehard yogi. You don't have to become a diehard yogi to get great benefits from yoga. I can tell you that from my own personal experience. When not mentoring people who struggle with stress, Stephanie can be found under a pile of books or working on writing her own first book about how to take charge of your chaotic mind and focus on what's really important to you. On top of everything Stephanie does to support people working through stress and chaos in their minds, she also has her own unique story. And this is why I wanted her to come on the show. She has her own unique story around mental health, working through mental health challenges, specifically around overcoming trichotillomania. She also has her own unique story around her sexuality and 
shifting in how she experienced her sexuality in her later in life and the last few years, which changed her relationship with her marriage and with how she experiences herself and who she wants to be with in a relationship. And she dived into, dived in, dove in to all of this in this conversation. And I couldn't be more grateful for her transparency and vulnerability. So listen in to hear Stephanie share how compartmentalizing different parts of our lives leads to hiding and shame how she used numbing habits like drugs and alcohol to cope earlier in life, how her compartmentalization led her to struggling with trichotillomania to the point of pulling out all of her eyelashes and eyebrows, the moment when she was finally able to truly see herself and then decide to start changing her habits, how she was able to create an entire new set of coping skills that have served her throughout her life, how she noticed shifts in her sexuality in her 40s and how she responded, how we all have an inner compass that is exactly right, how to use self-study, surrender, and intention setting to manage stress and your life, why you should pay more attention to discomfort and stress and what it's trying to signal, and the gifts of yoga that carry over into all areas of your life. I loved this conversation. I'm so grateful for Stephanie coming here, sharing her story, being open and transparent. I know you're going to walk away with some great takeaways. So with all that said, let's welcome Stephanie to the Shameless Mom Academy. Stephanie, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here, and I know we're going to have so many good things to dig into. So how are you feeling about being here? I'm really excited, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Good, good. I'm excited too. And I want to know a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. It's such a good question. I, as a sort of solopreneur, so to speak, I've really learned that life, personal and professional are inextricably linked. And I think what I'm most excited Excited about right now is just embracing that and not trying to compartmentalize for a long time. I, you know, said, Oh, you know, here's I put on my business hat and tried to, you know, run my business and then put on my parenting hat or, you know, whatever other hat and always, you know, was shifting gears and trying to be who I needed to be for each of those roles. And I've just learned over and over and over again and in bigger ways as I've gotten older that, you know, there's no separation there. And when we try to separate it, it's disconnected. And when you feel disconnected in your life, nothing really works as well as it could. So I'm most excited about just not compartmentalizing it, bringing it all together. I love that. And I have to share that when you reached out about being on the show, your what interested me most. So I think you kind of reached out about what you do and how you help people. And then you gave me a little bit of background on your story. And I to your point, I was like, I want all of this. Like, I want to talk about all of this. And even when we were preparing for this interview, I reached out and said, Hey, like, can we go into this personal stuff? Because I'm guessing it really, really informed your professional life. So I'm excited to dig into all of that. Because I totally agree that we often try to compartmentalize. And I think sometimes, especially if we've worked in corporate settings or kind of traditional fields, we've been taught that we should compartmentalize, like work is at work and home is home and blah, blah, blah. But we find that, yeah, we can't really do that. Like there is so much connection between and overlap between it all. Well, and thinking about, you know, shameless moms and how to, you know, really step into every part of your life fully when you're compartmentalizing and not 
bringing your whole self, there is a, that sense of disconnect, I think, really cultivates a certain level of, oh, I have to hide that or I have to, you know, keep that over there. And this, you know, this person can't see that about me or this, you know, my job can't know that I'm having having this struggle at home or whatever. And I just think that is a breeding ground for shame and not being able to be your whole self, not being able to really embrace your whole identity. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. I was actually like kind of frantically writing as you were talking that yes, <laughs> like so the compartmentalizing does lead to hiding. And I think that when we do that, we get to this, there often becomes this like point of no return where at a certain point, maybe at a certain point, you're thinking, hmm, there's maybe an opening where I can, can bridge these two pieces of my life. And then if you don't, if you miss that opening, sometimes, then all of a sudden, you find yourself in cycles of hiding that at a certain point might seem like they serve you. And then at a certain point, this is no longer serving you. And now you're in shame spirals. And now you have these sections of your lives that are so disconnected that you are not able to live authentically in any spaces. So incredibly true. And you know what I just thought of when you were saying that is, have you ever known someone that you've known or for a while or or you meet someone and they tell you their name, but you immediately forget it. And then you, you know, you talk to them, maybe you have more conversations with them over time, but you don't know their name. <laughs> and it's like oh this my awful gosh. feeling of like, I don't yes. really like, I don't know their name, right? Well, a number of years ago, after struggling with this in my life, work and personal life, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to embrace when I forget someone's name and just be really gracious about it and ask them. And it's at first was like such a <laughs> so novel, right? Right. So novel. And it's, it was such a hard thing to do. But I cannot tell you how much connection it has brought in my life. I've had so many times where I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I don't remember your name. And that person will be like, thank you for asking. Or, you know, I've had that situation. And it's like, we're all liberated from this horrible, you know, feeling of I'm such a jerk because I've been talking to this person for an hour or I've known them for a month and I don't know their name. Yes, I love I think that example is so great because it's so relatable. And I also think that you make other people feel really special when you acknowledge like, because they feel like, oh, she thinks I'm important enough that she really wants to know my name, rather than like kind of keeping things surface and not attending to like all of me. And I think that says a lot. And I think people really appreciate that. And so it, it creates it. There's like vulnerability and courage all. It's like all of Brene Brown's goodies for writing that little transaction. So good. Yeah, it's so true. And uh, like you said, the relatability of it is important in terms of, you know, whenever we can be more authentic, we give others around us permission to do the same. And it feels so good all around. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're already digging into like all this good stuff. I'm so excited about where all the, where I know this conversation has the potential to go, but I want to go back a little bit before we go into everything right now. Cause what really drew me to inviting you into this conversation and creating space for us to talk today was a little bit about your past and where your journey began 
a number of years ago, I know you went through some mental health challenges and that led to a pivotal turning point in your life. And I'm wondering if you can take us back. And I'm curious how the compartmentalization might play into this. And I'm wondering if we're going to see some any themes around this, where you were in your 20s and going through some mental health struggles. And then you had some big shifts in your life. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. And the compartmentalization pattern definitely started (laughs) then. Well, it really started in my late teens when I, you know, probably like most teens was having a lot of feelings (laughs) and didn't really know how to you know, how to work through them and, you know, didn't, wasn't necessarily have the safest environment to be able to, you know, say what I was feeling and which comes first, I don't know. But also, I didn't have the courage to just be able to express myself and process. And that just established a pattern. And it just continued through my 20s. And, you know, I just was going through a lot. And honestly, nothing that most people don't go through. My parents were getting divorced while I was in my 20s. I was, you know, trying to navigate, you know, being on my own for the first time and working a couple of different jobs and, you know, figuring out, you know, where to live and roommates and, you know, relationships, pretty much all fairly normal stuff. Nothing super traumatic. But that pattern of compartmentalization had really established itself. And I really used a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms. I did drugs, I drank alcohol, you know, overdrank alcohol, did a lot of numbing, a lot of distracting, a lot of, you know, partying and a lot of, you know, showing up as one person at work and, you know, being a completely different person at, you know, home or completely different person when I would, you know, go out at night or all of that. And the pivotal point that you're talking about is that throughout this time, throughout really this decade of just a lot of stress, a lot of life's challenges and not dealing with them and trying to juggle all the things and not really being honest and authentic with myself or with anyone else. During that time, one of the things that developed was a a habit of pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes. I now know it's called trichotillomania and it's a nervous habit. A really common one is nail biting, right? That's something that we, you know, is very familiar, but this, what I did for whatever reason is I just would pull on my eyebrows and eyelashes. And this was something that I did on and off through my late teens and twenties. And then toward my you know, mid to late 20s, I had no eyebrows or eyelashes, I had literally pulled them all out. And during this time, and probably like the big overwhelming stressful thing that really prompted that deep pattern to explode was that I bought a house and I was working on doing some work in the house myself. I was 26, 27 years old. And one day I saw like the way I say it is that I saw myself in the mirror as if for the first time, you know, 
we get an autopilot so easily in our lives, right? You get up, you, you know, stand in front of the sink and you brush your teeth and you look at yourself, but you don't really see yourself, right? But this particular time, it was as if I was seeing myself for the first time and I saw what I looked like and I saw the toll that my lifestyle and, you know, my mental health struggles were really taking on me. And I had no eyebrows or eyelashes. So I looked just weird, <laughs> right? Was that something that you tried to hide and cover with makeup and other things? Or, or Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, I look back at pictures, and this was in the, the 90s. And so I like drew these like pencil thin eyebrows. And what's funny about that is I remember getting compliments on my eyebrows. I'm like, Oh, if you only knew, right? This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners 
listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Anyhow, so I saw myself and I had this realization and, you know, sometimes I think of it as a divine intervention, but it was this realization in that moment that, and it seems so simple to say, but it was just, it hit, it really hit and landed in a very specific way. The realization was I could continue doing what I was doing and just stay stuck and miserable, (laughs) or I could take charge of myself. And again, it sounds so simple and so obvious, but in that moment, it really landed with me as, oh, wait, I'm in charge of myself. This trajectory that I'm on, this patterns, these coping mechanisms that I've developed, this, you know, uh, way of thinking about myself and my life. Yes, it's very easy because it's just, you know, it's habitual, it's familiar, but I can actually change it. Now, I just I do want to clarify that in this 10 years, I I had tried to, you know, sort of change things for myself. I tried, you know, exercise, and I tried changing my diet. And I, you know, tried not drinking for a while. I tried, you know, all I was reading self help books, you know, so it's not like I was, you know, I, I saw that I was trying to make changes, but nothing ever really stuck or lasted. But this day that I saw myself and had this realization, it was really a shot straight to the heart, like, you're in charge of yourself. And if you want to change, you have to remember that you have to remember with every decision that it's your choice. And like I said, I know that sounds really obvious. And you know, now, 20 plus years later, it's like, well, duh. But it landed with me in a way that just simplified it, right? And what I think is really relevant about that is that when we're in these patterns of, you know, overwhelm and frustration and just, you know, going through the motions and on autopilot, just simplifying like, oh, wait, I have a choice. That's it. Like, it's my choice in this moment to do something differently. It just felt like a a little bit of like a a hug. (laughs) Like, it's okay. You can just try a different way. Yeah. And If it had taken you 10 years to get to that point, I would imagine that recovering wasn't like an overnight thing. (laughs) And that took some time as well to shift habits and coping skills. Yeah, well, I love that you asked that because I decided in that moment that the one thing that I would focus on is this pattern of pulling on eyebrows and eyelashes. Because at that point, even though I literally had not one hair in those places where eyelashes and eyebrows were supposed to be, I still, you know, sort of used my fingertips to like rub along those areas looking for something, right? It was, it's a nervous habit. Yeah, from what I understand, it's really compulsive too. So it's not like you can just say, I'm not going to do that today. Like, you can't stop yourself from doing it. Except for if you really set that one intention and focus only on that. And that's what I did. I said, you know what? From now on, whenever I notice myself doing that, 
I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths. Like I'm going to sit on my hands <laughs> and take a couple of deep breaths <laughs> and see if I can just stop in that moment. Right. And again, I think that that was the big realization that has just been so influential in my life for the last 20 years is like in that moment, you have the opportunity to make a, a change and it may not last forever at that point, but that's how you make a change is just changing it in the moment. Right. So often I think, or at least for me, I was like, well, next week I'm going to start this thing, <laughs> right? Or, you know, on New Year's Day, I'm going to start these 10 different things that are going to change my life. But what was so profound for me in that moment is I am just going to work on this one thing. And it's when I notice that I'm doing it, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to like pull myself out of it for, you know, even if it's just for a second. And what I started doing was, you know, when I would find myself sort of doing that compulsive, you know, searching for something to yank on, I would sit on my hands, I would bend over and take a few deep breaths. And I would say to myself, you can stop, like, just stop, just stop doing it. That's all just stop. And that single, really simple sort of what I now think of as a practice began to change my life. Because ultimately, as I kept doing that, it became easier to stop myself, right? I interrupted the pattern and huge, right? Interrupted that pattern and pattern interrupts are such a big deal. Huge, huge. In my work now, I call them reset, like just reset. You can start fresh. This next moment is brand new. It doesn't have to be like the one preceding. That is what really initiated, you know, that sort of first wave of big changes in my life because my eyebrows and eyelashes started to grow back. And what I really learned is, oh, if I set my mind to it and just focus on one thing and just continually go back to it, continually go back to it, then things change. Things actually change versus kicking the can down the road for Monday or next week or whatever, or versus trying to change 7,000 things at once, which never works. I'm so curious because I love that you use the example of like we put things off. So we, especially when there's something we think we need to change that's going to be hard and we think I'm going to change that or fix that in a week or a month or, you know, next year will be better. And to your other point that that you're only going to do one thing rather than 18 things. And I think those are super helpful reminders. I also think one of the other things that we do is that we think I'm going to stop this thing forever, or I'm going to change this thing forever or fix this thing forever. And I'm never going to do it again. And we in these like kind of big superlatives. And I love that you were just thinking about like just this one moment and not like what the step is beyond that one moment. And I think that can be really powerful as well, that you're not thinking about 18 things, you're not pushing it off and deciding you're going to try in the future, you're going to start right now. And then you're only agreeing to this moment, you're not thinking like, this is what I have to agree to for thousands of days or weeks or months or years ahead. It's just right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And since then, I've done a lot of studying of like how the brain works and how habits are formed. And it goes directly in line with that, you know, small shifts over time are the things that create change in our lives. And, you know, big shifts, really, they just our brains are actually wired to resist big changes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you were able to shift your coping skills, you were able to work your way out of this inclination toward trichotillomania. Has trichotillomania shown up again in your life since then? Or were you able to get through it and then keep that at bay? 
Yeah, I've never had that issue really since then, you know, a year or more to really get out of that habit. But I learned shortly after that what I was doing, that whole sort of bending over and breathing and talking to myself, that's really based in yoga. And discovered that and I did practicing studying yoga more in earnest, you know, that became my toolkit that became the coping mechanism. I love that. And then you're shifting from one coping skill to another, which is so significant. And we're going to dig into that in just a minute. So I love that you were able to shift habits from or coping skills from one coping skill that wasn't serving you to a new one that was and finding a yoga practice. And it sounds like, well, I know that that became a really integral part of your life because it's now it's a really big part of your work. Can you kind of connect the dots between that time in your life and being in your twenties and figuring things out and learning how to better manage your mental health and then moving into marriage and motherhood and having another major significant life change and realization around your sexuality in your forties that then led into the work that you're doing today. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So, you know, as you mentioned, I was really able to pull myself out of what I now know is just chronic stress. And I met a man and got married and became a mother and, you know, 20 years go by. <laughs> and well, not quite 20 years, I guess, technically, it was shortly after I turned 40. And I think I'd also just like to say that those sort of basic skills that I use to stop pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes and ultimately just started to continually use to work with when I felt uncomfortable, when I felt challenged, when I felt overwhelmed, when I felt frustrated, those skills were really, I was really using them in my daily life throughout these years. And then in my early forties, I started noticing some things about myself. Interestingly enough, one of the first things that I noticed was when my husband and I would be watching movies and there would be sex scenes and I would be very, I was very fixated on the female in the, you know, always heterosexual sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And I got so curious around that, like, what well, that's kind of strange. And, and I wrote it off at first to, oh, I just relate to her more because mm-hmm. I'm a her. Right. <laughs> and But yet it really persisted and it really just started to feel different. And, you know, one of the, you know, thinking back to when I was trying to not pull my eyebrows and eyelashes out, one of the like most important first steps in that process was notice when you're doing it, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And really recognize that as an opportunity to do something differently, to, you know, be open to that as like not, you know talking about like shame, like the inner dialogue before I started to work with these tools was, you know, you're so terrible. Like, what's your problem? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Instead and being so, really present, it sounds like, like being really present around what's happening right here and sometimes the uncomfortable feelings that come with that. So true. We're into my early forties and I'm just noticing this, you know, this 
sort of, I don't, fixation is not exactly the right word. This like deep level of interest that was happening, you know, and, you know, my kids at that point were of the age that, you know, they, we would put them in a place to watch a movie on Friday nights and my husband and I would go off and watch a movie. And, you know, so that was a fairly regular part of our lives. So I started noticing it. And as I started noticing it, you know, I got curious about what is all this about? And my sort of automatic and immediate reaction was, you know, this is nothing. This is, you know, this is a little weird, but whatever, you know, justify it, you know, whatever. And I did that for years. I did that for a number of years of just starting to have these like inner things feelings come up and just wanting to ignore them, wanting to distract myself, to numb myself, to compartmentalize and, you know, keep it sort of over there, right? This yeah. I don't have time for this in my life because I have other things going on. And even though this like nagging, gnawing thing keeps, you know, rearing its ugly head, that was my internal dialogue at the time. You know, I can't go there right now. But that in and of itself sort of flagged my attention because that's the pattern, right? That's the pattern that we have when we have an opportunity to learn about ourselves. Our natural instinct as human beings in a lot of ways is to resist it. It's, you know, it's not comfortable. It feels hard. It feels like it's going to be scary. And so when I started noticing my those patterns of, you know, numbing and distracting myself really become more of an issue and more prevalent in my life. That was an indicator that there was something going on that needed to be seen and felt and heard. And really, you know, fast forward a number of years, I just, it became undeniable to myself that I'm gay. And I had been at that point married for you know 17 years i think we're about to celebrate our 20th anniversary i keep joking maybe our divorce will be final on our 20th <laughs> anniversary how funny would that be but you know it was a really scary time for me because while i ultimately was finally able to acknowledge what you know that gnawing and inner knowing was trying to say reconciling that with my outer life felt enormous, right? It's one thing when you're in your 20s and you're single and you're, you know, managing what at the time felt huge, but mm -hmm. it didn't involve a whole lot of other people. <laughs> this right, felt very right. different because different. it involved a lot of other people, including my children. Yeah. Yes. So it was a big deal to, you know, to build up the inner courage to come out. I came out to my husband uh, nine months later. I came out to my kids. And how old were they at the a time? A year later. This was just like almost two years ago. Okay. So they were, you know, 15 and 12 okay. um, at the time. And I think that really you know, I'm not alone in this. Like that was another, I think, thing that I discovered in those years of trying to figure out how I was going to bring together these two parts of myself. That yeah, I was, I was just going to say, like, talk about compartmentalization. I would imagine yes. that there was a lot of attempts to compartmentalize in that time of Absolutely. figuring things out and 
maybe yeah. feeling like it would be easier to reject certain things or keep things in certain containers or for, try to keep it really simple for, and not have it overlap. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I did that for about, you know, maybe three, almost three years of, mm. of just saying, well, maybe that's true, but that's fine. Like, it's yeah. just gonna like stay over there, stay in the closet. <laughs> so right, right. But you know, I think the great gift of all of this for me, and it really informs my work is that we, you know, we all have this inner compass and it's unique and very personal and exactly right. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's ours <laughs> and we're meant to follow it. We're meant to walk that path in our lives whatever it is. And this was just another, albeit big, example of my experience of when you have that discomfort, when you have that, those coping, unhealthy coping mechanisms, when you're experiencing resistance and frustration, when things feel disconnected, it's essentially a signal like, hey, here's there's an opportunity here to bring these things together, which is ultimately what you're meant to do, right? This, you know, we're meant to be whole. <laughs> and in moving toward that wholeness, you know, we learn the exact lessons. Our life circumstances are exactly what they need to be for us each individually and personally to learn the life lessons that we need to become who we're meant to become, which is our whole self. I love what you said about your personal compass, how we all have a personal compass that is exactly right. I think yeah. that sometimes we that's not our assumption. I think sometimes we think other people might know what's better for us and we ignore and suppress and even dismiss that inner compass. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do that, I think, because we don't trust ourselves, but we don't trust ourselves because we don't listen, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. We don't listen to ourselves. And I think, you know, one of the big things that I teach and, you know, goes all the way back to, you know, to my realization in my 20s is that you know, it's just that one moment, just in that one moment, make that one choice just for right now to try to listen, to try to do something differently, to try to trust yourself. And when we do that, that really adds up. It really, you know, there can really become a tipping point. There's an analogy that I love about ice in a 25 degree room. And, you know, as the room gets warmer and warmer by degree, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like anything's ever going to happen. But then, you know, you get to that 32 to 33 degrees and then and the ice starts melting and there's a tipping point. There's a big change that starts right. to happen, but that can't happen. It, you can't go from 25 to 33 degrees in, you know, in one step. It's, you know, each little step along the way, even when it doesn't seem like things are changing, that you're moving in that direction. And Absolutely. that's just really been my experience of going through my life is that, you know, when I have that sense of inner discomfort, frustration, overwhelm, you know, all the, you know, distraction, numbing, looking to other people for what they're doing, <laughs> you know, no, not trusting myself, all of these things are really signposts. And that when you just, 
you know, as soon as you notice that's happening, recognize that then and there is the opportunity that you have to take a deep breath and focus on what's going on inside of you and listen and build that trust. Absolutely. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to download the new Bumble now. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So you help people with via yoga therapy. Can you talk about yoga therapy and how you help people with that as a treatment coping modality, a way for, to help people manage stress? Yes, absolutely. So I always feel compelled to say that yoga is a lot more than sun salutations on a mat with, you know, stretch pants <laughs> and that the tools, with I think it's in stretch pants. You know, it's supposed some... to be cute stretch pants on a mat. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <They're really laughs> so true. And most of the tools that I use from yoga are really more of the philosophy and, and the wisdom and insight and you know, as I've mentioned a couple of times, my really, you know, decades long personal experience and professional experience is that our stress and all of the ways that that manifests is the opportunity to show us to is the opportunity to really start to make changes. And that Mm. In those moments, you can use some of these insights from yoga. And the three that I really focus on are self-study and surrender and intention setting, right? Paying attention to what's going on inside of you, paying attention to if you're pulling on your eyebrows or eyelashes, paying attention to if you're, you know, walking in at the end of the day and immediately, you know, uncorking a wine and pouring it and chugging it, <laughs> paying attention mm -hmm. to when you have that inner voice that's, you know, telling you that you're a terrible mom or, you know, that you don't know what you're doing, paying attention to when you're lying in bed at night and can't sleep because 5,000 things are running through your mind and you just feel like you're on a hamster wheel, you know, all the things, paying attention to those things. That's the self-study piece, you know, really yeah. looking at them, really looking at yourself, just like you would your child, right? If your child came in, like had, you know, something wrong with them, you would immediately get down on their level and investigate, right? What's right. going on? 
And then the surrender piece is opening to it instead of what I did for years in different ways, pushing it away or no, I don't want to deal with that, whatever, that saying in that moment, there's something here. What's here for me? What's the opportunity? Mm-hmm. And then the intention setting piece is really welcoming what you actually want, right? Really welcoming the your inner compass to let you know what you need. And that when you continually do that, sort of like the chasing arrows of the recycling symbol, when you continually go around with those three ancient tools from yoga, you really change the way you manage challenges, change the way you approach challenges in your life. I love that. That makes so much sense. And I love the examples you gave around attention because attention, you know, we're always giving our attention to something, but are we giving it to things that really serve us? And we often are giving it in so many directions that we aren't able to self-study. And then we can't go into this, the next phases of surrender and intention setting. So I think that's so significant. Well, the neat part about it is, is that it's the discomfort and the negative, you know, perceived negative feelings, right? The anger, the frustration, the overwhelm, the irritation, the impatience. Mm -hmm. These are the things to start paying attention to in your life. I mean, those are hard and uncomfortable experiences to get your attention. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like the flashing light in the car when the gas is low. Hello. (laughs) Yeah. Do something about this. And that's what all those feelings are about. And why I say, you know, everything that we know about stress is wrong. It's not something to relieve or reduce or manage. It's something to pay attention to. It's your inner compass saying, you know, you're going off track here, right? Like those those lines on the side of the highway that when you get, you know, when you're veering off into the shoulder, it's like, you know, the whatever they're called. I don't even know. But like, you know, makes your car like crazy. Like, hey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why do you say that everything we know about stress is wrong? Because our stress response is a built-in mechanism for, to help us survive. And, you know, our modern day stress is not often, mostly, thankfully not, you know, we're not being physically threatened, Mm -hmm. but our modern day stress is psychological. And a lot of it is between our ears, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's still a built-in mechanism to help us know what's threatening our well-being, what's threatening Mm -hmm. our ability to be our best self, what's threatening our growth, what's threatening our ability to thrive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I say, you know, I mean, I love bubble baths, but it's not about that. It's not about, you know, relieving it. It's not about really about reducing it. I mean, yes, there are some things that you can do, like saying no to, you know, one more thing in your life that will, you know, reduce your stress. I'm using air quotes here. And it's definitely not about managing it, right? Like if I can just get through, because none of that is really sustainable. When we change the way we think about stress, when we use it as the support system, the built-in, you know, sort of personal, unique, individualized support system that it is, we can really change the way we experience, as I said before, the hard things. Yeah. Absolutely. How can we begin to tune into what causes stress 
which I think is such a, an important first step. And why is this important? Yeah. So it's really about stress symptoms. And I focus on four categories. There's physical symptoms, you know, like tension or like grinding your jaw, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Or, you know, some people have like chronic digestive issues. There's mental and behavioral. So there's quite a few sort of symptoms of chronic stress. And that's really the thing that I focus on with my students on becoming aware of what your specific stress symptoms, the most predominant ones are. Thinking back about my story in my 20s, you know, that pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes was a predominant coping mechanism. And I focused on that. And by focusing on that, it really made bigger shifts, right? Yes, I was able to stop that habit, but it also helped me recognize that I could take charge of myself and make changes. And because our stress response is a built-in, you know, support system, we need to understand how that looks and feels for us, how we experience that. And I teach a free workshop where part of what we do is go through a list of stress symptoms where you can say, oh yeah, I have insomnia. Oh yeah, I have, you know, chronic digestive issues. Oh yeah, you know, I worry. Oh yeah, I, you know, turn to alcohol every single night, you know, to quiet my chaotic mind. And then once we identify those, we really focus on them one at a time. Because when you simplify it, when you say, okay, I'm just going to work on this one thing and recognize that every time this happens, that's the opportunity that I have to do something, right? If I'm getting home at the end of the day and immediately uncorking the wine to calm myself down in that moment, what I really need is, yeah, some relaxation, of course. And that's one way to sort of band-aid it, but maybe there's another equally as pleasurable way to, you know, to shift out of the chaos of the day and unwind a little that will actually serve you and actually have you feeling better and not only, you know, not give you the hangover, but help you feel empowered and then be able to use that same inner shift when you're at work, (laughs) when it would be appropriate to chug wine. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, so I did a lot of hot yoga years ago and I I did the Bikram series. So every day was, or every class was the exact same. And I remember getting very overwhelmed and frustrated in class a number of times for a number of reasons, like that it was so hot or it was so hard, or I was just bored because it was the same thing every time or whatever. But it was fascinating to me how the patience that I developed in that class carried over into patients outside of class. So I hear your point around like developing a skill in one context or a coping mechanism in one context, and then how it carries over into other places. And I remember being really conscientious. Like I would have to, I, at the time had an awful commute. And I remember like taking my principles from yoga class and like applying them while sitting in traffic to like minimize road rage. (laughs) And it made a huge difference. 
Yes, it does. I mean, yoga is really a system of, you know, wisdom and practices with the goal of helping us be our best selves. And so, you know, while we in the West mostly know it as, you know, Bikram, you know, hot yoga or whatever series or whatever type of, you know, practice on the mat we do, it's really an entire system that is designed by design to help you cultivate skills in one area of your life that really apply to your your whole life. Absolutely. So I want you to tell people where they can learn more about make peace with stress. So tell people about how you work with people and how to get the ball rolling. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, makepeacewithstress.com. Pretty much anywhere on the site, there are everywhere on the site, there are buttons that say start now. And when you click that button, you'll be given the opportunity to watch a little mini workshop where you'll discover your stress symptoms and how to start now using those stress symptoms to make small shifts. And then you, you know, and what I love about that and about what I do is that that's really all you need in a lot of ways is just those, that simple method that I teach. So that might be enough for some people, but then if you feel like you need more support, more guidance, more, you know, a more, more structure around integrating this method into your life, if you want to go a little deeper, my program is called Make Peace with Stress. And it's a year long program to just really continually apply this method and get, you know, the support and guidance that you need to know by the end of the year, you know how to apply this process so that going forward, like, you know, for me, 20 years after I really sort of started spontaneously using this, not really knowing what it was, you, you know, when you start to have, or, you know, whenever you have challenges, whenever you have big experiences that you're, you know, that feel hard, you have a a simple method. And also the same simple method will help you, you know, while you're sitting in a traffic jam (laughs) or, you know, while you're frustrated with your teenagers or, and that's the beauty of yoga. It really, it meets you where you are no matter what. And yeah, it's great. It's a really, it's a, every single person that's been through this program that just embraces it. I just, I get overwhelmed with the dramatic shifts I've seen with my students. Um, I love it's that. beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I love that. Oh my goodness. This has been so great, Stephanie. I want to thank you for sharing yourself so vulnerably and sharing your story and your background and the things that led you to where you are today and the things that led you to being able to help women the way that you do. Last question. Can you tell us in one sentence or so how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Yes, I I'm currently showing up as a shameless mom by something that we've talked about several times, which is just not compartmentalizing. I am, you know, now out in the world as a gay woman, currently sitting amongst boxes on Sunday. I'm moving to my own place and, and I'm bringing that into my business, you know, maybe not necessarily my sexuality as much as just the idea of 
all of our life experiences, the ones that we share with others outside of ourselves and the ones that, you know, we experience inside of ourselves are, you know, a divine sacred aspect of why we're here on the planet. And, yeah. and so, yeah, so I think I just my it. commitment to being wholehearted uh, mm-hmm. in every way is how I'm showing up as a shameless mom. And hopefully we'll always be able to do that. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Stephanie. This has been so helpful and I'm excited for people to, I know that I have some mamas here who are stressed out. So I'm excited for people to go (laughs) check out your video and check out all of your resources. So we'll have everything linked up over at your website and that's makepeacewithstress.com. Do I have that right? That's correct. Awesome. And then we'll link everything in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Stephanie Weikert, and you will be able to click right through to those resources. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing in the world. Thanks, Sarah. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.